Cybersecurity Podcast. Hey, boom, hi. Hello, everybody. Thanks to listening, yeah, for listening to Hackwork. And it's a pleasure to have this show again with my wonderful, awesome cybersecurity co-host, Tyler Cohenwood from Washington, D.C. Hi, Tyler. Hi. Hi. This is going to be a really great show. Exactly. The topic of today's show, no, I will not spoil it. First, I will say, well, who are the people in the show? I have from uh, Eindhoven in the Netherlands, Lorna Golden. Hi, Lorna. Hello. Hi, Marco. Hi, everybody. Hi, and Tyler. Hi. From Ghent in Belgium, Rob van Kranenburg. Hi, Rob. Hey, I would like to start this with a little soundbite. To be or not to be. That is the question. To be or not to be, that's the question. Today's show is about the Internet of Lost Identities. I, I I love that title. I love it. You know, I, I think about this sometimes. Um, what is identity? Because we have so many different identities. We have our social media identity. We have our real identity. We have our, our identity in so many different ways. So what is identity? Well, it's a good question, obviously. <laughs> so even Hamlet... Uh thinks about his own identity and so maybe a good question for rob because i know that you're have a lot in mind about identity and digital identities yes well i think the first thing that comes to mind is that it's it's not a good question because identity um is not something singular or is not something that is um uh that that's 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 something and not 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 something so identity is plural so i think you could basically say what what is identities or what are identities what are identities yes because i think um for identity needs some kind of reciprocity so if sort of is there if there is something that claims to be something if there if there's not an other thing or other things that um that uh that that sort of take that into account or that uh, that validate that then that thing can beam or be or have an identity whatever it wants but it will not be recognized as such because there's no nobody or nothing to recognize it so It, it's always about relationships, um, and I think that's the that's that's the key. Cool, Lorna. What 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 are identities to you? Well, I think I was really uh, um, happy to see hear Rob say that it, it's it's actually an interaction between two entities. Yes. So identity, in a way, and again, we also have to make sure. We don't get stuck between the word identity and identifiers because actually identity can be made up of multiple elements um, by way two entities can then identify. Um, and it varies depending on the context and who is actually using the term. 
So, for example, in social sciences, it is often attributed to the way of recognizing a natural person in the real world. But as we know, then in sort of technology or digital or even in legal terms, then that shifts. So if you're looking at it for, through the legal glasses, it also is a way of actually being able to identify a legal entity that you can then actually reciprocate and actually um, apply laws to. In the digital world, then I think, you know, we, we all understand and agree that we have multiple identities. Yes. So again, it's, it's a little bit of the key of being able to trust that the entity, person, being, avatar, device that you're communicating, connecting with is who they say they are. So can you <clears throat> trust that that identity that's being presented is what they say it is? I like it very much to tie it to trust. To me, identity is the foundation of trust. I'm wrong, right? <clears throat> it's, it's in a way, I think it's a key yeah. to trust. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think the, you know, the, the crossover between, I think Rob will have some very um, sharp statements on this, but the, the sort of crossover between the physical and the digital world is <coughs> where we are starting to apply sort of age old cultural mechanisms to being able to really establish identity. So we know how these work. How do we trust someone? How do we identify? Are they a friend of a friend, a friend of the family? Do they belong to a company? How are they actually proving that they are trustworthy is very often the form of the identity. Their name, is it in a register I can actually look up? Are they actually sort of known by others, by trusted others? In the digital world, we're starting to apply that also to you know how people identify an identity online. But we're getting into... I think challenges where that is getting a bit right. uh, sort of monocultural, whereas in the physical world, it's it's very multiculturally oriented. How we build up trust through identity, and I'd love to hand over to Rob because I think he, you know, he's been our inspirer in these discussions and topics about identity and even disposable identities, so temporary identities. So I think he could probably say a lot more about that. Well, yeah. I don't know, but, but to, to me, sort of, um, it's, it's always been quite um, uh, quite simple in the sense that that um, uh, before we went into the cities, we lived in villages and 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 we knew who, who we were, and he was the son of the baker, and da la la, and sort of like so. He had all these, and indeed, it's about trust and 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 also about. Um, Again, about sort of reciprocity, what you can expect from people, and um, and as we moved to to uh, the cities, we had to find um, intermediaries to sort of because there was no, we didn't sort of, there's no way we can we can we can sort of know um, one another, and um, so this always um, uh, sort of in in an analog world, this um, this sort of all the procedures that help build these mechanisms, they they gradually came under some kind of democratic control, sort of the, um, in in, uh, in in at least in the West. I mean, if you look in in China, the first act of the emperor, two hundred seventy eight BC, was to set up an identity system, and so this is two thousand years before we have this in Europe with Napoleon with the so this is also something that we have to think about when you think about this kind of social credit system and the way in which people in, in certain schemes are, 
are um, um, are um, sort of uh, looked at or built into. And um, actually, in that first scheme of the first emperor, if somebody did anything wrong, the entire street was punished. That was the start and the basis of, of, of the Chinese kind of identity system. Again, 200 years before Christ. So um, in, 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 in Europe, sort of from 1800, so all of these things then became about having papers and having passports and, and sort of tied to kind of to national states. Um, and um, uh, sort of, so, so that has been the kind of logical way that people have been thinking about identity as sort of producing something, producing a paper or producing that, that, that would then validate or verify that who you were and, and sort of that, uh, that kind of thing. So it's the basic idea of inventing an ID card or passport or um, which tells who you are, where you are from, sort of credibility. Credibility, trust. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I also think of identity as if you're being identified by a system. So if I'm logging into a social media account, I'm identifying myself by knowing the username and password. And if I'm using multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, the system sees the password and then it sees the code that I put in that I received um, for the two-factor authentication. So it's identifying my credentials, my devices. And that to me is, is really part of what a digital identity is in terms of when um, you're validating and verifying yourself to systems that you use and log on to. And furthermore, we see a lot of the social media companies becoming identity providers, like by providing APIs for other services, uh, using their API for, let's say, online shop or e-commerce, stuff like that. So if you are logged into Google or Facebook or other services, Uh, they are the identity provider, um, which means they take as well some functions in the pre-digital area governments had, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I think. Um, I think. Uh, well, this, this. I think there's basically a, a, a few sets of arguments. So the first thing is that. That we have to acknowledge that that TCP/IP took everyone by surprise, and in the last 50 years, the amount of uh, of change and change, innovation, sort of um, moving of, of value, uh, has never been so big. Because um, coming from this book paradigm, uh, for 500 years or building schools, the gatekeepers, and everything. If you then have a system that simply says pass on the packet, uh, it's a virus. It's it has it has created a, um, a sort of a layer on top of the world in under 50 years. Um, then Tim Berners-Lee put the web on it with a pass on the link, uh, and now with IoT we have huge ecosystems. So sort of this is a full frontal attack on all the institutions 
that were built in the book age from the from democracy to the banking system as we see now with crypto and bitcoin and sort of um so so all of this from the digital in a sense of taking an object object describing it in sets of qualities um but but then also being able as these objects become smart to directly infer into the object that was once analog but now hybrid no longer no longer an analog object so for example in a in a connected car you can move faster from the cloud or from the edge or from the lantern pole than from the from somebody breaking in that car so if you have the full loop um of um then you get, you create a fundamentally totally new situation that is in up until this moment very very difficult for um for policymakers to understand so creating access mechanisms to any of these objects means that you also create the new services that are stemming from the fact that all these objects are connected and creating new interconnections among themselves creating new services so the entire full proactive capabilities of all these values is beyond your reach uh, i mean beyond public reach yeah, in this sense and and this is what we've seen happening from um yeah for the last uh, 50 years so the whole the whole trajectory of this virtualization ran parallel with this notion of this entrepreneurial state that meant that the state had to basically outsource everything so now we're in a situation in which in netherlands or belgium or france there's no more money there's euros there's no more law comes out of brussels all the instruments are privatized and in certain cases for example like belgium even identity management is privatized so we have already extremely empty shells that still call themselves governments but have very little agency because they've managed to move every capability outside of themselves which was which was actually what they were doing so when i went to talk to policymakers 20 30 years ago and tried to explain to them what was going on that this was happening i now realize that they were laughing at me <laughs> because they were engineering this themselves sort of all these policy makers were engineering this total hollowing out of the state and all the people that were saying look but if you do this at some point there's going to be this without having any public agency you will have full privatization now this is where we are at the moment and then with covid covid passes contact tracing and sort of all of these things now to me actually um i'm sitting here i'm looking outside my window for the past <laughs> time and it's like a mordor science fiction scenario without going into any kind of uh politics yeah or without going into any kind of let's say um anti this or anti that i'm vaccinated sort of sort of uh, it's, it's kind of logical uh, although of course you may have questions and blah blah but um now i think um it's it's quite unbelievable actually what's happening because all our discussions 
but even all our tools, they seem to become extremely pointless. I would say maybe even, um, and I'll weigh my words because I'm, because, but I'm getting depressed about it, um, is, is really uh, pointless in a way. But Rob- I see no... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I mean, this, no, just I mean, this yeah. podcast is always about the dark side. So I'm um, normally I'm representing the dark side and Tyler the bright side. So now we have Tyler and Lorna hopefully on the bright side. Can I just <laughs> wrap up a little bit the for the, for the audience? Like, what is the situation? What will be the future? And then we can dive into because we called it the Internet of Lost <laughs> Identities. Why I think that. Uh, a, a lot of things are going wrong. So first of all, uh, I like your example, for example, with the car. If we go into a connected car, there's a situation, a car, a connected car in the future will do a lot of interactions with other objects and other cars, for example. And by that, the connected car itself needs to be tied to an identity. Now it can be tied. an event identity. It becomes a set of identities. Yeah, a set of identity, maybe two identities, let's say it that way. And even we know like that the, autonomous algorithms inside the car maybe require themselves identities for liability issues. Absolutely. So there, there will be a different way how identities will be used. And let's say this, maybe these identities will be connected with each other. Like my personal identity will be connected Ooh, with the identity to the car. You'll and, uh, have an implant. Yeah. It's like, so it's, it's a little you'll bit like, I think what I understand from Rob is, okay, the way how we were using identity in the past is gone. It's a completely new world we are stepping in where identities have several other ways how they are interconnected, used, created, opened, closed, uh, whatever. And the current system, like how we deal with identities is still locked in the past, except for the large companies like the Googles and the Facebooks They already know what they are doing with identities. Exactly. And I'll just I'll, let me take two minutes and then I'll. <laughs> so, what happens when, an, when a connected car hits a person? The, the car gets a temporary identity. The driver gets a temporary identity. The car, the person being hit, gets a temporary identity. The water the car goes into after it hits a rock gets a temporary identity. The rock gets a temporary identity. All these temporary identities become an event identity that's only existing in a very, very specific framework. And the question now is, who is naming, who is generating, yeah. who is forming, who is building these types of event identities? Who is owning, who is controlling them? Now, that's exactly, that's at the moment, the people who are able to do this is the Chinese government in itself as a whole with Alibaba and the entire architecture. It's Amazon, it's Google. And so as, as we are sort of trying to discuss the last remnants of a dead paradigm in which, which, which stems for our, 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 our very romantic and necessary sort of having these interactions with each other. So what we made of that was that we said in this last dying moments of this paradigm, We need something to safeguard the us as, 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 as individuals, as fixed entities still, 
We need disposable identities for the fixed entities. But as we are doing that, um, that, that um, desperate move, which, which is also now not working because of COVID and um, because none, none of this disposability will go in any of the architectures from IDAS to anywhere because, because they, they won't have it. Also the national states won't have it. And, and uh, I don't see it in, in Europe uh, sort of being picked up. We're trying, but it's, it's not getting any traction. Um, and, but that's even, even, even if we would get that, then the next layer of value is actually, is actually sort of beyond our reach uh, already, already, already moving into what is now called nicely the metaverse. So who's generating these event identities in the metaverse? Well, that's not going to be the national state. That's not going to be Europe. That's not going to be citizens. That's going to be Facebook, Google, GAFA, Amazon. And, um, and then I think we have to be honest and, 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 and then say that, that, that that's it. I'm sorry, people. That's it. <laughs> that's what no. Live in. There you no, go. No, no, I don't accept it. Lana, help, help no, us out. No, no, no. There's yeah. got, there's got to be some kind of, of of trust framework that goes along with identities, depending on the vertical. I know they're they're working on a healthcare trust framework. I mean, can you give us some more positive news, Lorna, please? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I love the I love the doom scenarios, and I. I I see what Rob's saying, and I think there is a path going that way. However, I, I yeah, he knows me well. I'm the eternal optimist, and I and I believe there's maybe a fundamental framing of that that actually is a slight. There's a bigger picture, and um, the bigger picture I think is slightly more optimistic for the human human race uh, for social cultural interactions. And I agree that in the digital domain, it's it's been heading in the wrong direction. But it's the same with every development we've seen, whether it's been IoT, whether it's been smart cities, we have this um, almost naive human view of it being um, a sort of reciprocating what we experience in the real world, the physical world. And then it turns out to be something a lot lesser. It turns out to be something that's much more focused on administration, authentication and control, whether it's the cities. I mean, if you think about the smart cities is a great example. I mean, ultimately, I've not seen anything really evolving beyond sustainability and control and maintenance, because that's what the uh, cities, um, people responsible for cities are responsible for. But that's not what cities are. The core and the interactions in the city is something completely different. And in fact, that just carries on a side of the technology, almost goes around. Like, okay, you guys can, uh, can monitor our lampposts. We'll carry on having parties, having interactions, having social, cultural um, energy going on. I think the same thing is happening here with identity, but I, I agree with Rob that there's a risk that the one may actually subsume the other. So the identities we're talking about is really about authentication and access to things in the digital domain. And I, I know there's the whole discussion, but that's actually being then used to uh, manipulate our behaviours in the real world. But I do believe there's a whole bunch of other developments in identity, in the physical domain, that are also being reciprocated in the digital, you know, the decentralized identities work that we're working on, being able to give people the tools to create and continue those kind of interactions. So I'm more optimistic there's these kind of parallel universes going on. However, I agree with Rob that if we're not careful, the large scale one will block out and yeah, disable 
the the more human scale developments that are going on. And that's what we need to focus on, I think, more in being able to protect that area of humanity against the areas of commerce, control, authentication, um, yeah, whatever the, the other larger meta here. Yeah, I don't like to use the word term metaverse, but yeah. I, I don't either. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't, even, don't, even, don't even give them that, uh, yeah, the space. <laughs> well, that was such a great answer. That, that really... That 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 really explained quite quite a bit. Okay. Thank you for that. So let me try to sum up a little bit. Like now we are at a way that we know I mean that our way how we deal with the identity in the digital world needs to change or there will be a change towards. <laughs> And I would like now to focus a little bit like what's going wrong currently with the identities in the digital world because to find out okay these are the pain points and then finally hopefully at the end to give the people an idea what we can do better like Lorna what what you're doing and Rob what what you're thinking about how how to make it better so if we think about what's going wrong with identities I had this there was this case of in the US it was Equifax I think where a lot of identities of US citizens had been stolen from hackers. I've recently read that in Argentina the the citizens IDs have been completely stolen on a digital hack. So it seems to me with the static identities that these are high value targets for cybercrime because with identity fraud you can do a lot of bad things out there. So it seems to be identities are high value target and they are getting stolen because you can copy identities. <laughs> Use them I, as I, I I was actually just having a conversation um with with a gentleman who works in the dark web and he'd come across 1.2 billion Google usernames and passwords in clear text. That means Everything, all the, the passwords were viewable, were viewable. 1.2 billion. That's a yeah. lot of accounts. Now you make me depressed well, again, but. No, no. I mean, if, yeah, I'm going to counter that one as well, because I think this is a perfect example. It, and this is what we've seen. So we've been doing some research also with users and we are all um, kind of stuck mentally and it's a paradigm shift but we've, we've been gradually sort of sucked into this idea that that google email address apple whatever email address one email address quite a lot of people have that's our identity and that when someone has that our identity is under threat but um a lot of people they have multiple email addresses currently because it's a centralized centralized method in for different transactions so you have your your spam email you have your work email so you have multiple identities it's still not working well because it's centralized which means it's once someone's got that then it's used for spam so what we're looking at with the decentralized is really unique temporary identities because you need those identities to be able to connect and transact But if once that transaction is over and it's no longer necessary, that identity is no longer needed, it's gone. Which means if anybody gets hold of it, it's no longer valid. They cannot um, reciprocate. They cannot pretend to be you and repeat that transaction. They cannot connect to that other organization and say, hey, it's me again. Can I get some money from you? Can I buy something from you? Send it to me. Great. So you you actually, but in order to do that, and this comes to the trust, what we're doing is is building a way that, 
you need to first of all establish a trusted connection. And this is this is something I think is beautiful. We have no answer yet actually how to do this specifically, but there are multiple ways in which we do that in the human world that is actually very well developed. And for anybody who, you know, when you've when you've gone to a new website, we have actually pretty sharp ways of looking like that website looks kind of dodgy because the spelling is wrong. I mean, it, that's what it used to be like 10 years ago. You could tell, you could train your children to see that website, clearly not right. That website, maybe more trusted. It's getting more sophisticated, but we also as humans are getting more sophisticated. And so what we're looking at is what is the minimum required for me to, so, so Tyler, I'm connecting to you here. How much risk do we have in this dialogue? We have a certain amount of risk, but I know, I trust you because you're introduced to me by Mirko. But if I was, was going to buy something from you, I might say, well, maybe we do a little bit more, another step in order to, if I was going to come around to your house and say, hey, can you give me a week? You'd probably say, well, Lorna, can I just double check, you know, that you're not a, uh, you know, have a criminal record for killing everybody? You know, there's, there's more steps that you might take depending on what that interaction is. As I say, then if you can then uh, establish that connection and it's not something that someone else can actually interfere with because they do not know all the steps that you've made. But then once that interaction is over, you say, okay, let's just close that interaction. Someone else pops up and you go, well, that's obviously not Lorna because she hasn't used the mechanisms that we've set up. I, I like it. Wow. It's like, because wow. if, if I think like, it's so true. Normally it's like you need to look someone in their eyes. That's the human to human yes. check of identity. Okay. Or you, you need to see him, his eyes. And then if you know that this guy or whatever connection is introduced by a peer of you, a trustworthy peer, he is immediately or she is immediately getting a level of reputation. So you can start your social interaction and your interaction and then uh, it's completely and different. Know, but we know that all of these things can be, you know, hacked or manipulated. So yes. it's something that, again, has to continuously evolve. And we have things like verify credentials. That's why, you know, coming back to the point about the identities being hacked and being on the street, Those identities should be just immediately deleted and I should be yeah. able to get a fresh government approved identity that other people need to be able to trust a certain interaction, yeah. for example. And that's what we, we haven't got the hang of yet, of these identity identifiers, trusted identifiers being flexible, being corrupted, corruptible, and then being deletable and being refreshable. I mean, it's, I know it's complex, but that's, that's where we're kind of stuck in this one identity, one email address, one um, citizen identity number. Mm -hmm. That's fixed for life. Why? And then I'm thinking about the technology yeah. progress, like with deep fakes. I mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, I mean. Exactly. If, 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 if someone, th think about this. If someone gets your phone, they steal your phone, they get into every single social media account that you have. Um, your email accounts, everything. I mean, think about what that would feel like, the victimization, because this person is now claiming to be you. And, you know, I, I, I just had a conversation um, just, just a few minutes ago about um, kind of this, 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 this very topic where, you know, I know a guy, um, I tried to help him as much as I could, but his identity was stolen. And this was in the United States. And so his credit, someone tried to take out a mortgage in his name. So he was able to freeze his credit. It took him a tremendous amount of work to try to get this fixed. And finally, it was fixed. 
until he got pulled over and ends up getting arrested because there's a warrant out for his arrest because the criminal had taken out a driver's license in another state and committed crimes in his name. And getting that cleaned up was not an easy task for him. So when people say, you know, well, I don't care, you know, I don't have anything to lose. You do. You have everything to lose. And that's also a brilliant example as well, where it shows that we ourselves as individuals currently are not in control of how our identity is being stored and being shared and being um, corrected. So there he maybe he wasn't aware or he didn't even know where his identity was actually being spread and used and could not then actually immediately just sort of, you know, block. Whereas in a decentralized term, you as the individual are in control of those identities. That's the principle. Um, So you should then have continuous insight. And in a way, a little connects up to the GDPR. I should always be able to know how my identity is being set up, how I'm being profiled by any organization. I should have the right to be able to have insight into that and if it's incorrect to correct that but we're not there we're obviously in another system um and it's great because we're doing um so some of the research we've done it's it's amazing when you you sort of people get a bit of a sense of the idea of what self-sovereign identity means and they go oh okay so i have like lots of different logins it's like well no you don't actually need to log in anymore you don't need a password why not well Password is your access and identity authentication for somebody else. Here, if you're controlling it, sure, you can give yourself or, or make yourself a password, but you don't need it because you're the one who's deciding that and making that connection. But that's a very difficult thing. It's like no logins, no passwords. How yeah. on earth is that going to work? But it would be amazing. I mean, obviously, passwords yeah. do not work very well. And then we were I, I, I'm telling you, it's going to turn. It eventually, we'll have implants. And then there will be issues with those two hackable, but I mean, it, it, it may very well come to that. You know, I, I, there, there was um, a case I was actually just, just talking about where so many of these identity thefts, there's just simple steps that can be done to help protect yourself. And, you know, in this one instance, um, this, this, this woman, she was, she was being stalked and, um, the gentleman was forwarding all of her, her emails. So every time she changed a password, the email, the new password would come to this, the stalker. And the problem was initially she used the exact same password for every single account that she had. <laughs> and it was a password along the lines of password. And, you know, using just using a simple password manager or, um, you know, using multi-factor authentication, just turning it on to uh, on, on her, her different email accounts or social media accounts. I know that there's a little bit of an inconvenience, <clears throat> but it's worth it's worth it because the inconvenience that you will go through if your identity is stolen is it, it's it's heartbreaking. So the idea is to change the way how we use identity. Or let's say as well the technologies in behind. Um, let me bring an example because I think it's needed because identities are super valuable for sure. They're super value because they're baseline of everything I'm doing in the digital world. 
And then what I really don't like about the current way how we use identity is because there are a lot of interactions which are only one-time interactions. It's like I'm, I, I only shop one time in an online shop, never before. Why I should go through the complete process of uh, adding my credentials to that shop, even adding a, a username and a password or my my passport id and and whatever so why should i do this for a one time interaction it seems to be that we are sharing high valuable data for one time interaction maybe with parties we really don't know if they can provide the trust over their lifetime like is the shop going going to be hacked in five years um i had another example of as well for the autonomous driving if a if an autonomous car is driving in the traffic And it has its own identity, and this is connected to the identity of the driver, and I connected to the identity of the AI on board of the car. Um, maybe this car needs to go into interaction with other identities only once upon time in the entire lifetime, because when they meet another car at the crossroad, uh, this is only a one-time interaction. This car will never meet again with another with the same car, but it's needed for this current interaction of exchanging data. And if this is all stored permanently on data providers, I mean, it's, it will get stolen. There's data leaks are the new normal. And I think there you're hitting on a very, very key point. It's the... Um It's the interreferences between these identities. So, I mean, the 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 one-on-one -on -one identity to identity connection. That's that's fine. So we understand that. But what's what's happening here with we're repeatedly using the same. It's the cross referencing. So we've seen obviously, of course, with the tracking. So the the, the social media. So all of the tracking of our behavior and then being able to use that. And that's what's the current developments now, actually. Mm -hmm use that to then manipulate into behavior that is more desirable. And that's where the identity abuse and misuse is the challenge. And it's also why we're looking towards multiple identities. So it's, and, and, you know, you said the perfect one, you know, why do I actually need to give my name to buy a pair of shoes? Why do I need to give my date of birth to drive a car? I may need to show that I'm above 18 or above 21 for insurance, but they don't need to know The date, you know, I was born on this day in September mm -hmm. or October, um, which they can then, of course, cross-reference to other records which have, you know, the birth records, uh, et cetera, family records. So the, I think what we're talking about here also is cross-referencing of identity in order to build a much bigger picture of who I am as an individual, as a person, as part of a community even, but also what my behavior is and whether that behavior matches what the other entity wants or not. So somebody has decided what is a desirable or undesirable behaviors and then being able to maybe reciprocally adjust my behavior, which is what Facebook obviously has done a lot of experiments in. And that's where the identity, um, the centralized identity discussion, I think it's more interesting. Wow, it's yeah, a cross-referencing, making conclusions, drawing conclusions, which quite often are, are wrong. Um, And then actually using that to actually turn around and try and make me change my behavior. So it's a form of control. Okay. So now to Rob. It is a form of control, yeah. <laughs> now to Rob, uh, are you a little bit satisfied with that? or uh, So can we do that by, by let's say, open source 
technologies or other parties involved so that there is a still a democratic empowerment on how these identities are built and um, distributed and handled yes 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 i think i think we can do that um and then we have to give up um the idea that we have uh friends in um in in other places so it means that uh, we have to stop looking for um, um, for how any of these actors are basically doing it. Um, then we need a third phone. That's that's very logical. So we need the hardware. We need a, a phone. Uh, we need a phone with um, uh, with a with a with a specific kind of chip. And yeah, you need to find some funding, uh, Mirko. <laughs> and uh, all the people who are not happy with becoming fully transparent, either in GAFA or in some kind of old-fashioned government form, not new governance, but old-fashioned government form, which is um, they should look, for example, at what the Fairphone did uh, in terms of trying to... Uh, think differently about uh, the way that the phone was operating in terms of uh, material conditions. And now we need new hardware to think about how this will operate in safeguarding our disposable identities. So we need hardware. That hardware is going to be our wallet because Europe is going to define 500 million people wallets. Everyone is going to have a wallet. But you can have all the nice software requirements for that wallet, but as long as that harnessed in either Google, in Android or an Apple environment, you have a wallet in enemy territory. It, do, it, does, it makes no sense at all to think that you can regulate for the European Union that should then at least also last for another 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Even the very fact that we cannot really count on that for that to happen um, means that we cannot count on regulation only. We need the hardware and we need the infrastructure. So we need the device. And then we need to build an ecosystem between that device and our preferred wearables that it talks to running the same chip with the same architecture embedded on it. We need um, our uh, smart home devices. We need the smart lamp. We need the smart... We need... Uh, we need our objects in a smart home. We need a car, a connected car, a car, maybe a German car that goes with this plan. And we need to be able to, uh, to uh, tune into, into certain lights, like, for example, lights on the street that you can switch on and off or ascent uh, for, uh, for sort of. So it's a very simple architecture. Uh, it's linking up. The, the body area network with the home and the car and a wide and a very wide area network. It's what Google has been doing for 30 years. It's what Steve Jobs has been doing with Apple, building the phone, creating what goes in, what goes out, specifying the telcos. Yep. So it's very simple. So it, this, is the, this is our only way out. Yeah. There is no other way out in terms of regulation or in terms of trying to mitigate what's happening with GAFA. Or trying to um, trying to bring awareness, like we've been doing for ten years now, to policymakers about what is happening. We need to build our own hardware ecosystem, and I can guarantee that the people who are doing that they will be commercially 
very, very, very viable. This will be a big, big commercial ecosystem because a lot of people are um, very interested in, um, in, 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 in starting interactions with their own private public key infrastructure, merging their smart home devices with their own private keys. So all the objects in the smart home are having public and private keys. You merge your private keys with the ones with with your wearables and your and your home, and that's the infrastructure. So all we need, I've been advocating, um, but I'm just a talker, so I've been advocating this for a long time. Nobody's listened. I don't think anyone is going to listen. No, 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 no. There's hope out there. No, we're listening. There's there's hope out there. Yeah, you, you brought up some really good points. I mean, there's. It's very interesting because when you said that, I realized that everything in in our house it's connected to this, to the phone, or to the Alexa, and it has control of of, of pretty much everything. And there has to be a better system. There has to be yes. a better way. But there's, so, I, I actually have, I, I actually have a I question. Think, yeah, it's, yeah. So if we, so it's a matter of finding the people who would like to go. The people are already building these smart environments. Also, the router you can build your own router, um, and then you make sure that you're in control in the home and not Alexa. Not only in the home, also in the car and the wearable and outside. So, this third ecosystem, which is which is going to be a commercial ecosystem, people are going to pay for this because that object. That can be your phone, of course. You just put some real-time messaging on it. You put some Telegram and WhatsApp on it. I mean, it's it's off. Hey, first of all, uh, fun fact. Yesterday, I tried to open my car. It was in the garage. And there was a software bug. It was not allowed to open the door. So <laughs> it seems to me <laughs> that the car industry should not be the ones who are taking lead on <laughs> providing that identity system. But um, there's hope, Ty Rob. Sorry, Tyler. There, yeah. There, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I had a question. I was, it was about the, um, the, the autonomous cars. So if the autonomous cars have their own identity and I'm, I'm in one and I'm pulled over for speeding, does that mean the car gets the ticket, not me? No, yeah, maybe. That, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, no, 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 that, that's a complicated. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a, that's a good question because if we go for the autonomous car, this is a lot about connected to liability and insurance stuff. So, for example, if there is a software bug in your autonomous algorithm training model, the question is who is paying for it? Is it you? Um, yeah. who is liable or is it the car maker or is this the software provider who's providing the data model uh, which was responsible for the training <laughs> and it seems to be that this is a dilemma for the whole industry so what I know and even like what we know from Europe that Europe is thinking about introducing digital identities for artificial intelligence so there is an idea that artif artificial intelligence will become its own ID. And <laughs> why? Because if there is an ID, you can create a legal person out of it. And if it's a legal person, it can be tied to contracts, it can be tied to insurance uh, and, and tied to liability. And by that, maybe the car maker is not liable anymore. 
it's the artificial intelligence on the car, which could be a perfect solution for some car makers uh, if the software is going terribly wrong. So I think that's the way where we're stepping into a complicated world. But coming back to what Rob was saying with the hardware, I totally agree that this topic is quite related to hardware because we see the smartphone seems to be the, the, the key wallet currently for identity. And as well, this wallet is tied to face ID, fingerprints, biometrics. So there are a lot of authentication factors as well tied now to the, to the, to that the wallet is providing the identity. Um, I think there's hope out there, Rob. Uh, I had been the past three months on several startup competitions, uh, being the judge member of the, of the committee. And there were some startups working on hardware wallets of identity. And there had been pretty good concepts out there. Like say there's a safe hardware wallet, which is your identity provider and it can store us, it can take over a lot of wallet functions. Um, I think there's the the building blocks are currently in creation. Now the question is like how they are interconnected. And if we look at innovation, I think this is the first cycle of innovation. So the startups are popping up. Uh, many of them will not survive, to be honest, because it's maybe too early. Uh, or the technology will be just bought by other companies like the Googles and the Apples and, and whatever and the patents. But my hope is that there will be a lot of open source initiatives will popping up as well as well on the hardware level so that we have this way of oh there will be open hardware designs for for tpm stuff um, this can be connected to software open source layers um, there are foundations out there who take care as well um, like the twins foundation lorna or but we have as well others like the linux foundation i mean there are so many people out there who are dealing with identities so i have hope that there is a future where we have options where we can decide what kind of identity system management we would like to lock in yeah i think it's it's important to keep that hope that there will be options but I, i'm sort of also veering towards rob and trying not to be too pessimistic, but the mainstream, the majority mainstream, I fear indeed will be the the option that we're not particularly happy about. So it's, it's really about, you know, once you're in there, you're in control because we're seeing that happening already. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how, um, how much damage has to happen or be caused before people um, eventually turn their backs. It seems to be at the moment quite a lot. Uh, people just, because it's that paradigm shift. And say, so even, you know, with the developers who work, we said, oh, so how are we going to do with this login? No login, no password. And just <laughs> getting your brain out of what we've been so, I mean, you know, many of us have experienced pre-internet time, but just in a few years, we're so used to it being the way it is. It's that frog in the boiling water thing. So I'm optimistic, but, you know, I think the majority mainstream is is potentially a very pessimistic no, I'm Story. super optimistic. Keep in mind the bucket is I'm in the very system. I'm optimistic no. too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> good, good. keep in mind, when, when Facebook <laughs> was shut down this long time, so that all the Facebook services and servers had been off the internet. They were, they were disconnected. So completely Facebook was, was shut three down. Three hours? Three hours, four uh, hours? Four hours. It was more. And at that it. moment, even Facebook employees were not allowed to enter the buildings. 
because their ID management system was connected to the central ID management system or service of Facebook, which had been disconnected. And as well, the people who would like to restart the service in the data center were not allowed to enter the data center because this was uh, added to the ID management was uh, as well disconnected. So it seems to be, well, even if they are building a world where they, there's a lot of lock-in effects, their own world is not perfect. So there's no perfect technique. There's always a, let's mm. say, a way out, or you can disconnect. Can I can I maybe just sort of uh, uh, looking to, at the yes. time maybe close on it? Yeah. Also, it's a slightly yeah. optimistic slant, and um, but also a word of caution that we we do seem to be slipping into considering identity as being this this form of identification and access. It's a key. It's giving us it's control over whether we can do something or not. But that's not what identity is. And I think we have to sort of take that little bit of a step back and remember that actually identity, that's just one very, very small yeah. part of identifying. Identity is actually a fundamental human right with relation to our quality of life. Yeah. It's actually about how we frame and place ourselves in the world in relation to other people. We've got to be very, very careful we don't lose that in this sort of understanding of digital identity and authentication, because it's actually very critical to mental well-being. It's critical also to societal well-being. It's also critical for sustainable development and growth. And it's maybe a topic for another discussion, but, <laughs> you know, let's take identity out of this, you know, very narrow band yep. of logging in and access and control. And remember that an identity is actually way, way, way bigger and way more complex and way more valuable to humans but also to the world at large yeah oh well said Lorna that was that was great so I think we have now almost talking about 50 minutes about that and we can talk endless um, but Lorna this was a perfect wrap up about identities and I think I can't add nothing currently to it and If Rob, you want to add something or? Oh, just quickly then, just to say that we need some kind of Steve Jobs of disposable identities that um, that's, that 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 builds kind of the Ledger Plus, which is not not just a cold storage, but also a warm one that makes the connections to the other other objects in the home. Um, build the embed the chips find the friendly product makers that's sort of this we have to do it on our own sort of then gradually in a few years people will buy those products when they buy those products they buy the the whole disposal identity self-sovereign <laughs> ecosystem like they did with the iphone so sort of, so you'll get the early adopters who want it and then later people will say oh this is also a good project products This is the way I want to identify myself in this, in this world. We'll not get there with talking. We'll not get there with projects. We'll not get there with any type of more articles. I've been writing a lot. We've been writing a lot. We need people to start building the real product with the real ecosystem. It's very, very logical, I would say. If you find the right lamp, if you find the right coffee machine, if you find the right... So the, you've got it, and you're and you then you're starting. Yeah, cool. So 
I mean, thank you very much for all these insights. And what a great show! It, it was really an awesome topic, and as I said, we can talk endless about it. And I think we will continue about this topic. So let me wrap up. What I really learned and liked was Lorna's quote that identity is much more than authentication. So that we should not think about this narrow uh, idea that identity is based only on this narrow application of authentication. It's it's much more and we need to consider that this is a baseline element of our society. Uh, as well, I take from Rob that Rob said, well, we need someone who will create a new identity architecture and system and it needs to be hardware included because hardware and software is tied together uh, and we are in need of a new Steve Jobs building that. Okay, if you're listening to it and you think you're the new Steve Jobs, you're welcome to uh, ask Rob about what he's thinking about and then just start working in it and uh, I think you will raise money if you, if you build a startup there. <laughs> and by that... Uh, thank you very much to all the people out there. If you like the show, give us a rate, give us a comment. And I'll say thank you very much to everyone who is listening and to all our guests here in the show. Thanks. Follow us at hackwork.io. 